This is Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again. It's February 26th, 2017, and we are uh, very honored to be joined again by Kirk Rudder, uh, a guest that we had spoken with originally about uh, almost a year ago, a participant in uh, psychedelic medicine trials with, in this case, psilocybin. And uh, Kirk, welcome back to the show. Hey, what a pleasure to be back. I really loved speaking to you guys before. Thanks so much for letting me come back on and talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to uh, to have you back on. And, uh, you know, we, d- we just wanted to sort of check in with you and catch up a bit and see how, you know, how your life has been since uh, since Entheogen. You know, I think uh, you, you probably have a lot of uh, secret admirers out there. Uh, you probably have gotten a lot of fan mail since being on our uh, humble <laughs> podcast here. And, uh... Yeah, I've, I've had, you know, I've got people in sleeping bags outside my door. <laughs> Um, actually a few people did get in contact via the show and uh, I've actually I'm going to meet uh, one of them uh, called a nice lady called Lynn Um, there's a convention here um, in June called Breaking Convention Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go to that so that'll be my first kind of uh, you know um, convention like that I think it'll be great I think it'll be great be around a lot like like minded people um so I think the the biggest kind of uh noticeable thing since I, I did that is I've got this very kind of um organized upgrade, you know, kind of wow. thing. So it's like um uh, like like a, a kind of a, a, a switch has been flipped or or something, but now in the way I manage my money, the way I kind of manage uh, a lot of things at work, um, home, stuff like that has really become very, very organized and very intuitive. I, I mean, I've sorted out so much of my um, wow. finances. And I bought a house and moved house and sold my flat. And yeah, all, all these kind congratulations. Of- Thank you. Congrats. But these are all things that are on my mind. You know, I I was in a horrible situation with uh, scummy neighbors for about three years. And I was I was just sitting in that situation, not moving. Um, But after, you know, after did after I did the the trial, I was like, okay, so I need to get this sorted out now uh, and get it done. And it was a big thing kind of really to do on my own. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's done and I'm here and, and it's okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm surprised and even my dad's kind of commented on it because, um, yeah, you know, my dad and my brother are very kind of good at being a bit businessy and organizing and I'm a bit more like my mum, a bit more uh, kind of, I don't know, um, hippie-ish or, or, you know, something like that. I'm not, I can't think of a good word at the moment, but um, so I think even my dad's a bit surprised actually how organized I've become and uh, mm-hmm. stuff. It, it, it's hard to explain really. It's such a big change, you know, really. Wow. Now, Kirk, can you relate that sort of, uh, you know, organizational mindset and that that organizational sort of upgrade um, to a specific, uh, you know, occurrence or um, experience in the trial? Or is it more that uh, sort of in the in the afterglow of the, you know, treatment, uh, you you sort of just had a breakthrough in uh, in that area of your life? 
yeah i i it wasn't it wasn't due to a specific uh you know memory or, or event uh that yeah that came up but it, it was just something that um seemed more intuitive uh, easier to do you know i don't know I, I i thought about it a bit you know was it where i had that period of super connectivity that maybe a few circuits have been kind of rerouted or i don't know but definitely it's a very noticeable uh change and and it's it's weird it seems a bit hardwired you know now it's like uh, i can't really kind of go back to how i was kind of financially and organized organization wise you know not that i was a complete sloth or slob or something before but you know especially the financial side it is just a complete change I, uh, Kirk, I can relate to this completely. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I, I sort of also had that same uh, experience where it's so, so kind of a slow awakening. And, uh, and I thought, I think uh, at least in part that, um, that sort of when, when the future becomes hopeful for you, uh, th- then you start to to want to plan it more, and you you get a little bit more motivated and excited about doing that, and that's when you yeah. start to kind of become more interested, right? In in, yeah, yeah. in looking looking for ways to do that, and you there's like a sense of agency that you can you can make things better, and you can change things, and that's really exciting, right? Yeah, but also being able to kind of not accept any any of the the old negative stuff, you know, that's still floating around like old cobwebs, like yeah, you're gonna fail, this won't work, why bother, all that kind of negative you sure. can just brush that aside a lot easier i think this might be a tactic that could be introduced in business schools worldwide you know uh, well, <laughs> magic mushrooms exactly <laughs> yeah. get yeah. organized yeah get organized take mushrooms that would be a great that would be oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of get back to you with that advert actually <laughs> uh, kirk i can see a whole new line of work for you in this you know, yeah 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 i like high high-end business workshops you know yeah are you are you bored at home are you uh, disorganized and kind of is your rubbish falling out everywhere then you need magic mushrooms yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be great or maybe start start with like the starter pack of like a little model of ganesh you know and the little mm-hmm. pamphlet about how you know the god of removing <laughs> obstacles can get you here speaking, I, I, speaking of ganesh kirk how, how's your relationship with ganesh uh, developing um, I, I was doing the chants uh, a lot, a hell of a lot, uh, for uh, you know about half an hour a day, and it's kind of fallen off a bit. Um, uh, and I, I actually got you're doing it the full 108 times. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and uh, but there's a really there's some really nice videos that have got songs on um, YouTube. So you just it's like you're just singing a song, you know, for kind of 25 minutes really, and it's it's quite nice. Um, but I haven't done it for a while. But I have got I did find a really beautiful Ganesh statue. I was going into charity shops and things like that, seeing if one would just pop up, you know. But then I I actually found a really nice one that I knew was the one that I kind of needed and wanted. So I've got that uh, in my living room now. Nice. I had a, a sort of a sort of parallel experience that uh, made me think of our conversation and particularly that Ganesh connection we had. And um, and it's that uh, I guess I don't know. I've been in this yoga class and, that, you know, there's this kind of meditation with a mantra. And I've always sort of liked it because it's something you can latch on to. But it always also did kind of 
get to me that it's in a kind of a foreign language and even though I can understand that it's not exactly the same and uh, I came across like a few months ago this uh, the the magazine The Atlantic had um, sort of done an animation to this story that Barack Obama told on his campaign trail I think in 2008 and uh, and I shared this with Joe the other day uh, just randomly because I, I had thought of it um, and he tells this great story just about you know it's kind of the dog days of the campaign it's very difficult day he's got to get out you know he's exhausted he's got to get up and go in the rain to go to some meeting and he gets there and there's like eight people there and it's just you know he's horribly unmotivated and and there's a sort of this old woman in the back who kind of uh at one point stands up and yells this sentence which is uh fired up ready to go and people in the meeting start repeating it and he's just sort of taken aback and he doesn't understand why this is happening um but he finds it sort of inspiring. And then it turns out that this is like a thing this woman does. And it's sort of her own personal mantra. And he he notices that as she's doing it, he starts feeling better. And it, it kind of uh-huh. like gets him into the whole thing. And he it, it brings back his essence. And then it kind of became this like mantra for him during the campaign where every day, you know, when he gets up to go do something and he's just not in the mood or whatever, he just looks in the mirror and he says, fired up, ready to go. And, oh, wow. uh, and I shared this with Joe the other day because like, I remembered the story and I'm like, I'm in a particular year where like yourself, I'm buying a house, I'm doing a lot of, a lot of things. I'm busy all the time. And sometimes yeah. you just don't have all the motivation you need. And it's yeah. sort of the sentence will pop into my mind and I do immediately feel better. And it made me think of you and your, and the chance and, and Ganesh. Oh, wow. That's lovely. That's really great. I mean, that's, uh, I'll look that up, actually. I want to see. So where can I I'll find it? I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll make that. a note of it and I'll send it to you because it's really great. Yeah, well, it just shows you a, lot, well, a little thing can change, you know, a, a little kind of thought process, a tiny little thing, you know, can just, uh, even just saying something like like you just said, you know, will can, can kind of change your mood. You don't have to sink into the swamp, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, Kirk, uh, uh, both Kevin and I made uh, the same note uh, after listening to the episode we recorded about a year ago. Um, we're, we're both wondering, have you been to the zoo lately? Have you been back to the zoo? <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe, uh, my, uh, my cousin asked me to go to London Zoo, which is really big. Uh, and I just thought, I, I don't think I could go to one again. <laughs> it really, it really kind of just, I, 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 I just saw it really clearly, kind of how cruel and horrible it seemed and how, you know, pissed off and the animals were no one was anyone enjoying it you know really you know the animals weren't the the humans i don't know maybe uh maybe the kids were but uh, you know i remember this this kind of tiger pacing up and down just like wishing it could just rip one of the children apart (laughs) and the um the parents a little bit of projection there maybe kirk (laughs) (laughs) but the uh i'm sure I'm, i'm sure it wasn't but the um, you know, I think everyone could see except the kids. You know, they just were. It was a lovely, cuddly tiger that would just give a big kiss. Um, yeah, it's depressing, really, isn't it? I mean, if, yeah, I suppose you guys have been. Uh, you do you do stuff like that, do you? 
<laughs> yeah, I had the same experience the last time I went to a zoo and uh, it, it's just funny because we all sort of had that same observation. I think the first time around after reading your blog, you know, you had observed that uh, the zoo just had become too depressing. And I think uh, it was probably for the same reason. I remember having the same realization, just uh, it's just such a sad place. Um, and it's hard not to have that uh, realization after, um, you know, having had psychedelic experiences. I think, you know, it's sort of parallel to uh, Kevin's uh, pet topic about the, the eco mindset coming directly from, uh, you know, psychedelic experience. Um, and I wonder, Kirk, have you had that experience of like a greater appreciation for nature or, you know, being more like ecologically conscious in some way? Well, you, you just segue beautifully into something else that I just thought of while you were saying all that. And that was this kind of uh, like a, a small inner spring that uh, has popped up about vegetarianism. And I've never really had that. And it keeps coming up all the time. It's like, you should be in this, you know, don't, don't, it's, this is like suffering. And it, it's kind of pretty persistent. Um, I, um, since, since we spoke, I, uh, I may or may not have acquired uh, some uh, psilocybin and hmm. given some to a friend that's never taken it before, hmm. uh, who, who, also had the same thing uh, and he also commented that he seemed to be having really uh, really much kind of bigger and more organized ideas when it came to work and he's actually solved a few problems wow. since uh, since he uh, since he had some so you already started teaching the course <laughs> I'm already yeah, yeah. He, he, he found one of my very flyers prepared. You know? yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so um uh, he, but he had he had the same thing. He, he kind of said, "Yeah, it's really weird. I keep thinking about vegetarianism, and yeah, I shouldn't eat meat." And I thought, mm, "I don't think it's that weird now." Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's a little bit uh, inevitable. It's sort of an ex, sort of an expanding consciousness and maybe a little bit of expanding empathy, um, you know, which extends to the zoo, the zoo thing too, right? It's like maybe you go to the zoo when you're a kid and it's fascinating and whatever, but then as you start to get more of a sense of empathy towards the animals and realize that they that they're not in their in a setting that is appropriate for them, uh, you know, it just yeah. sort of sort of starts to bother you. And I've had the same thing with the with the food as well. Not not so much. I've definitely reduced uh, heavily the amount of uh, meat that I eat. I haven't eliminated it, but uh, but I it has come into mind, and especially sort of about more ecologically friendly food and and food production practices and things like that. And Joe and Brad and I were recounting a story before about uh, being on psilocybin in the mushroom, uh, being in on psilocybin in the woods, and just sort of about how. Uh, you know, while I was there, I was just in awe of the the surroundings, and I just said, like, this is we need every politician has to do this, yeah. you know, because you can't come here in this state and just not think this is the most amazing place in the world and something worth protecting. Well, um, the last time we spoke, yeah, I think you said something like that, and I couldn't really relate to it, but uh, yeah, now I can, and yeah, I think if you if you take sort of cybin outside in the in the uh, natural environment. Um, I mean, I'm lucky I've got a couple of forests near me. And so um, kind of in the, the summer and uh, early autumn, you know, my friend and I kind of went over to one of the forests 
and it was just uh, oh, it was just so lovely you know it was just so nice and I had this kind of sense like really strongly and I know this sounds like a cliche but you know everything was connected and there seemed to be this kind of overlaid geometry you know this like mm. the kind of um, uh, Fibonacci kind of sequence kind of golden rule-esque kind of stuff it was just over everything uh, and it, it just seemed like really clear you know um, that sounds great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've never had anything like that on the on trial much, much better than the zoo <laughs> so much better than the zoo. Yeah. One, what, so. one thing that comes to mind talking about, uh, you know, connection to nature, as well as, you know, going back to Kirk, what you're saying before about just feeling a little more organized. Um, it's something we've talked about on the show before, sort of one of our banner phrases, um, how uh, a psychedelic experience can kind of shake your snow globe, so to speak. <laughs> and in, the one thing I see in common kind of what, what we're talking about is having an opportunity to reset and reestablish patterns like patterns of thinking and patterns of behavior. Um, and there's, I can't remember what article we had read it, uh, but there's an analogy of a psychedelic experience, like, uh, releasing a lot of the patterns. It's, it's why it can be really helpful to combat addiction, for example, um, is that it allows the release of certain ingrained patterns and allows for the opportunity for your sort of uh, brain cells to settle again akin to a yeah. snow globe and then um, begin to form new patterns of both thinking and behavior. Robin talks a lot about that with me, you know, the, the rumination. And, and he said it's like it's actually like a physical circuit that gets created. Uh, and and as, as you go round and round, it gets more reinforced. Uh, you know, and, and I kind of, I definitely had that with a lot of things, you know, and I'd, I'd be kind of fixed on things and, and it's so limiting, but then I don't remember anything really specifically breaking that down. I think it's just, uh, I've actually, I think we talked about this before, Joe. Yeah, I, I mentioned something like this. It, it, it was like um, kind of a reboot and a psychedelic stuff is the distraction while the actual real work is going on through, you know, rerouting the blood supply or something like that, you know, but um, yeah, it. it, it uh, I'm sorry because I like to kind of try and think about it in, in a bit of a technical kind of way. You know, mm-hmm. not I not that I understand really what's going on, but. Um, so yeah and 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 it is a big kind of uh it is it is a big reset you know you, you can come out of it yeah i think the important thing is though uh one thing that i really realize is that you you still have to do the work you know you, you it doesn't you don't just take it and then uh everything's wonderful and you're all sorted out you have to avoid those neg- negative thought patterns again you know consciously uh until you get the new positive ones kind of you know positive rumination form yeah yeah yeah, i can do yeah that's a good point it doesn't it doesn't fix anything it might give you an opportunity to create new patterns but that's the work you're talking about is actually creating consciously creating new patterns um and i think that's a big word for for me and my experiences is being a little more consciously involved in the things that you know in my life and my experience at times i would observe that i've had kind of negative patterns going but then not really do much about them and thinking about kind of what, you know, how that's resolved itself in different times in my life. 
do you find that you also uh, your your dial for emotional reaction has been kind of turned down a little bit? So instead of the uh, the lizard part of your brain, I can't remember what it's right. called. Yeah, yeah, going like and, and so you're <laughs> like you're you're like no, okay, I I'm not going to react like that. Um, well, there's, there's, let's look at it a bit, you know. Yeah, well, I think my the, speaking only for myself, I think it's not necessarily that it's turned down. It's more that I'm trying to listen to it more. You know, I think the the reactionary thing for me that would have been to shut down or to shut down instead of like react in a really strong way. And so for me, a lot of it is proactively and consciously trying to listen to what's happening emotionally and, you know, um, you know, appreciate that for what it is. Right. Do, do you guys notice too that there's sort of? Uh, I feel like there's almost like a little bit more time. There's a little bit of extra time to react. Well, time yeah. and space. I think Kirk uh, mentioned that actually the first in the first interview. Kirk, you said something about uh, the feeling of having more space around you, like after the experiences you had on on uh, mushrooms, being out, uh, you know, in public, and just yeah, feeling like you yeah. had more space around you and more, you know, maybe it, it was more time as well to to respond. Um, I, I think in, in that instance, it, it was uh, more kind of optimism, you know, that 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 kind of feeling of suppression and, and kind of depression and the grief, you know, which is feel yeah, it's very very heavy when I think about it now, you know, kind of how how it must have felt, for, you know, then. But um, I think that going off just just kind of. You know, it's like some air had been put into the room, but it, it did feel I just had more space around me. But I think more time. Do you mean in time um, in reaction time or just a, just yeah. a feeling? Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things that uh, when I think of um, actual tangible benefits that I can name from the experiences I had, one of them for me was was I, I had a very sort of uh, short temper in certain situations, not not violently or anything like that, but just uh, I sort of would uh, jump. Uh, and it's, uh, it still happens to me. And it happens here and there, but I used to have it a lot more and especially in like very specific situations. And I, I, I started to pay attention to it and I started to want to work on it. Uh, as you're saying, you need to have that intention as well. But it was definitely through the the experiences I had that uh, I just I started to feel like it was a little bit more time and I could feel it coming and I could make a decision to say, like, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, but yeah, do you think you could break it down anything uh, anymore? Because when when you're saying that, I'm I'm just thinking about compassion. You know, that you maybe you're a bit more because I've definitely feel that you know and not being a bit more tolerant and being a bit more understanding a bit empathetic you know and stuff like that and just somebody's doing something stupid actually you know or, or, or kind of tapping a pen on a desk and you kind of want to break their arm or you know <laughs> stuff like that yeah. <laughs> no and, I agree uh, I, I agree with yeah. that I agree with that even when it's not uh, you know that I think that's it's all part of that same like uh, the asshole circuit right it's like uh, <laughs> Like <laughs> wanting to yell at somebody, uh, or you know, but even, even when you so see somebody, sure, sure, sure. No, but I, I meant to say, even when you see somebody doing something much more egregious than tapping a pen, even when they're doing something outright shitty, um, I still I'm a little, a little bit more compassionate now about like, well, you know, let let's try to understand this person and how they got here to this situation, and not think that this one act is representative of their entire life. Yeah, yeah, and also that it, it actually might not be deliberate either. Yeah, and I think that was a big that was a big problem. Like I'm like you, you scumbag, you did that, you know, on a tube. You know, people tread on your feet and things like that. And 
you know, just that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes it isn't deliberate. You know, they're not being arseholes. They might not even realize, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, there's – have you guys heard of uh, Hanlon's razor? Hanlon's <laughs> Well, oh, Occam's razor, I think, is of, of the razors. Uh, the razor's <laughs> a bit better yeah, known. I'm a, I'm a Mach three man myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Hamlin's. I might. I, I might paraphrase it a little bit, but Hamlin's razor essentially states: never attribute to malice what can be just as equally accounted for as um, ignorance or like stupidity. Yeah, and incompetence. Yeah. yeah, incompetence. Is that what it? Thank you. I, it may be um, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the idea. It's like if you can remind yourself of that and, and, you know, not take it personally or not take it as someone's consciously trying to, you know, fuck with you. It's like, oh, they just are being, you know, they they might be being uh, rude, you know, and not considerate, but not necessarily like a bad or evil intent. Yeah. yeah the, the other one I found helpful in that sense was that uh, when someone treats you badly, uh, particularly, you know, if it's a, for maybe a work situation or personal situation is uh, and I and I I'm not clear on the source, but the, the quote is sort of like that that is a person who does that kind of thing. It's that act is more indicative of their relationship with themselves mm-hmm. than it is w- of their relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very very also very very wise and something that you know like i said there's a little bit more time to think about these things and not just rush to judgment we're treading yeah, uh, dangerously close to uh, armchair psychology here guys um, <laughs> but uh, but kirk uh, to keep it judging <laughs> right and to keep it um you know topical here um have you you, you mentioned you've fallen off a little bit with the sort of chanting of the ganesh um you know mantras and things like that um yeah. have you employed any of the techniques you you know you you had used uh subsequent to the treatment or any new techniques or um or do you feel like you've you've you know uh made some some ground where uh, you don't need these you know uh techniques or crutches or, or that kind of thing so much anymore i think i think the uh because a lot of the uh obstacles have been moved uh and i'm not saying it's you know completely down to chanting um but i, I think I've, I've been less inclined to do it because you know I, first of all i had a, a financial kind of obstacle you know the, looking at moving um because you need <clears throat> we have to pay um taxes and stuff to kind of sell a house we have to pay you know tax to you know buy a house um so and the solicitor's fees and everything was a lot of money uh, which I, I kind of had to sort out but you know so all, all that kind of stuff all these obstacles and then finding a house and securing it and selling my flat you know these these are all things that I, I was worrying about and um, you know kind of coping with it afterwards you know would I be able to kind of afford a mortgage on my own and uh, all, all that kind of life stuff uh, they were they were big obstacles because you know basically the situation I had with my terrible neighbours was I needed to move and um, so that 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 was a massive, massive. I can't understand, uh, understate what a difference that has. Not having kind of scumbags living above you, uh, and now I've got peace and quiet. So uh, I suppose, sorry, that was a long answer, just to say, you know, moving has has made a big, big uh, uh, kind of positive effect on my life, and and I feel that there's less obstacles that need to be blocked. There is, um, there is one actually that I, I was thinking you guys might be able to actually help me with, um, and, and something that's happened kind of since then is that I've where I've become kind of super organized and getting on with stuff 
um, I've become a bit of a hermit. Yeah, and the other thing, I've, I've let some friendships go that I didn't think were really kind of rewarding me or or um, kind of nurturing me. Do you know what I mean? They just felt a yeah. bit yeah, yeah. kind of acidy and toxic and uh, kind of superficial. So I've kind of concentrated on other stuff, you know, that I need to do here and uh, become more of a hermit. So that's my next obstacle is that I need to uh, get out and do stuff, go and see the world, like go to Burning Man, for example. Something like that. <laughs> you know? So, so that, you know, I know you never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kirk, I also I was going to say I, I went through that that phase uh, myself. I'd always been an extremely social person and just spent all of my time with people. And uh, when I kind of started having the reflective period and also having the experiences, uh, I spent a good deal of time on my own, f- and it was a shock. It was a very um, it was uh, very new for me, and uh, I think it was extremely beneficial just to to be able to spend time alone by myself for a while and uh, more time just concentrating on my things. Also letting like you said some of the unnecessary uh relationships go and uh and then i think it, i think it just sort of their periods too it's like you go through a period like that and you come out on the other side you know kind of uh rejuvenated and ready to take on the world in a sort of uh, a new way and i so, also so, think oh, sorry. sorry i just wait to ask so how, how did you pick up out of that period then um you know how, how did that uh change after that, that I, kind of I, I think uh you know i just started getting interested in like new activities and things and then it's like oh, i'm gonna go do this you know and it, interestingly enough now when i you just made me think about it and I, I hadn't you know thought about it that concretely but you know for example i i decided at one point like i really want to start swimming because i think that would be a, a great like sport for me uh, for a million reasons or whatever and when I you know I went there I started swimming and I met one of my best friends uh when I started doing that and the same thing oh. with yoga and I met my future wife at yoga you know it's just oh things like that. you just start like your your priorities are reorganized and then you start putting yourself in situations where yeah. you're gonna have other people that are more aligned you know with with what you're doing right I don't know see well you just give me a lot of encouragement there and that's 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 really that's a lovely kind of thing that's happened to you and um, I'm getting a new bike next week uh, my scumbag neighbours uh, stole my last two push bikes that I had cycles uh, so I'm getting a new bike next week so nice. wait wait your neighbour like that's that's pretty serious like you yeah. the people who live next door to you steal something from you like you're not gonna know who took it <laughs> they, they lived they lived above me so they used to steal motorbikes and rob uh, handbags from old ladies steal drugs wow. you know yeah Wow, it's a good thing you got out of there. That that does definitely sound like quite an obstacle, actually. So yeah, and and, you know, you use the word maybe hermetic, but kind of the the way I heard what you're saying is, and you know, when you have a different experience, um, I I I think there's a phase, a really healthy phase of letting go uh, when you're when you want to make room in your life for something that's new and that you want to approach with a little more. conscious intent. Um, and I've experienced that also, like I, I spent uh, a period like traveling and, and consciously trying to let go of things and, and create space, uh, in my life for things that are new and things that I wanted to, to focus on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I definitely, that resonates with me as well. And, and like even letting go of toxic relationships, like you say, it's, <laughs> that can be really difficult. And, you know, the people that you, you spend your time with, you tend to, uh, take on some of that, that, um, 
just not necessarily behavior or attitude, but there's just, you do kind of rub off on them in a way. And, oh, yeah. and it can be a really healthy thing to appraise that and to, to recognize how that makes you feel and to, to consciously get yourself out of that situation. Yeah, I completely agree, Brad, you know, and, and, uh, I think, yeah, and that's why when you have the good people around you, the good stuff rubs off on you, like, like, oh, they handle that in a really nice way. You know, that's really kind of much more pleasant. And yeah, that kind of, what, what, um, what things did you, I mean, are, are there really specific things that you felt that you let go of apart from a few toxic, you know, friends or relationships? Is there anything else? Well, I mean, for me, it was like letting go of a whole career path and letting go oh. of a place of living where it wasn't that it was particularly particularly toxic, but it wasn't something that was inspiring me. I didn't have a lot of meaning attached to the work that I was doing. Um, but it was, it was solid work and it paid well. Um, and so, you know, choosing to let that go, um, was, I discovered that it wasn't as easy, um, wasn't as easy as I thought it would be and took me quite a long time to truly get out of my comfort zone. But didn't that happen at Burning Man? Didn't you have a breakthrough at Burning Man you told me about? Uh, it was before I ever went to Burning Man, but something about, uh, was it going into the temple or going into some installation where there's something related to dollar bills? and? Yeah, that was, that was one of the early dominoes, but that was in 2011. And that was definitely one of the, uh, the first experiences that kind of got started reframing my thinking. And it took me, you know, even another two years thereafter to to actually leave New York and to leave the work that I was doing then. But yeah, no, the, it was a an artist named Dadara who had a um, um, an art installation. And for me then, it, it was all about money and my relationship with money. And as another thing that resonated. Uh, with me, Kirk, what you were mentioning before about just getting a little more organized and, uh, in, you know, in touch with that. Um, but yeah, Joe, good memory. It was, that, it was, it was very much, um, that was a, a precursor to a lot of the changes that I later took on. Wow. Wow. So Burning Man literally changed your life. <laughs> Speaking of cliches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see. I've got to go now. I've got to go. I'm scared to go. I'm really scared to do, and that's that's what that's part of being the hermit. I think is is there's there's still a bit of fear, you know, about kind of going out and seeing the world, even though I really want to. And you know, I'll find everything fascinating. You know, even the the kind of silliest of things in in, in other cultures because it's different. But I, I just you know, I'm just not kind of ready to kind of do it yet. I don't know why. Really, well, fear. Yeah. I feel like this conversation is one in a series and it's great to, to reconnect with you, Kirk, and to chat again. And, um, you know, whether it's on air or not, um, I, I know we'll keep in touch. Uh, along yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Let's, uh, that's definitely something we could uh, program here and there. And it's, uh, uh, Kirk, it's uh, awesome to talk to you again. It's like I, I listened to the episode the other day in the car. Uh, and I just I, like like the guys said before, I just like this is one of my favorite episodes of this of this program. It's just like such a nice flowing conversation. And just uh, I don't know, just a beautiful thing. Yeah, it was cool, and I really enjoyed it. I, it was just nice talking to you guys, and and you know, it, I mean, this uh, actually there there is something um, else I want to tell you, but I, I probably have to tell you kind of privately because I can't. I don't think you, I can put it on air. 
people have to now. donate. To, people have to donate to our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Outtakes. For, for, for another, for another ten dollars, you, you can hear the secret. You know, <laughs> this is great. Yeah, good tease. That's exactly. Leave them wanting a little bit more. Tune in to next week's episode. <laughs> right. The exciting conclusion. <laughs> Thanks again, Kirk, for joining us again. You know, it was really just amazing to uh, to hear more of your story and to, to hear about all your positive uh, changes over the last year. Um, and, you know, just good luck in the future. Any last, uh, you know, parting words or advice for, uh, for our Entheogen listeners? Um, never give up, never surrender. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, just, <laughs> Not to put just, you on the just, spot there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just, um, just, just kind of... Don't let the bastards get you down, really. Yeah, that's that's all Word. I can think of. I'm uh, right on. That's the next very good t shirt we're gonna make. Very good advice. <laughs> this day and age too. There are quite a lot of bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of bastards around getting people it down. Sure so is. Very timely. It sure is. Yeah. This is Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again.